Well, good morning, 11 a.m. Let's try that again, because that was weak. Good morning, 11 a.m. Hey, uh, uh, welcome to week four. And if this is your first time seeing these videos and you're like, what in the world is going on? We are in week four of our series, Shut Your Mouth. And talking about the power of words and how they affect. Uh, where's Cole at? I want to tell him that, that he, man, the word that you told Denise, I agree 100%. There should have been more people down here. There should have been more people uh, in, in this altar seeking God. Uh, so, man, keep hearing from God. Keep your ear in tune for, with him. But we've been in this series, Shut Your Mouth. And here we've got two more weeks of this series. And then at the end of the month, we will kick in what we call, we do this every year, a pastoral series. You'll get to hear every week from one of our pastors, Pastor Amanda, Pastor Ben, Austin, uh, Pastor Casey, Pastor Bob will be speaking. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Applaud because they, I'll tell you, they deserve it. It's going to be an awesome. They're, they're going to do a series called God is blank. And then every week they're going to what fill in what, what we're looking at. Before we get into this, and I left, if you're wondering what I'm doing, I went back to my office and took my headset off and forgot to put it back on. So I'm, I'm hand-micing it today. So I may preach more than I teach today. So uh, before we get going, listen, um, Eddie, where's Eddie? I thought I saw, uh, just kind of stand up so people can see who you are. Uh, then you can sit down. I don't want it to go to your head. Uh, no, Eddie came to me, man. He's really got a heart. Uh, uh, to do to to uh, help out the elderly, to help out widows, and Eddie came to me. We had lunch a few weeks ago, and so what we're going to start doing once a month. Um, if you know a widow, if you know uh, someone elderly, or and they don't have to belong to this church. We want to take care of those in our church, but they don't have to belong here. They belong somewhere else. But if they've got uh, some landscaping needs, yard mode, some things need to be done around the house, small projects, we, we're not out there to, uh, this is not Ty, what's his name that did the remake your whole house? Pennington, yeah, this is not Ty. You do not want us remaking your house. Uh, but we will build decks or things or, or ramps for wheelchairs. But if you know someone, please let us know. Let the church office know. Also, if you'd like to be part of that monthly crew that goes out and, and does a project, we're going to do it once a month. And hopefully we'll get enough people where we can do two, three projects on a Saturday just sending people out to different places. Please let us know uh, what that is. And let us know what, you, what you're capable of. The second thing, hey, here in the month of August, we're going to be kicking off Financial Peace University, a class. And some of you not, have heard of it, not sure. You need this class. Uh, you know, uh, we, we were asked, uh, hey, how do y'all uh, afford this, afford what you got? You know, we're talking about our house, our pool. And he said, hey, you're looking at 30 years of us managing our money right. And, and that's putting it at different places. And, and I'm going to tell you th this. You can either five years from now look back and say, man, I'm so glad I went to FPC or FPU and went to that and, and got, got my finances in order. Or you look back and say, man, I'm deeper in debt than what it was. You know, we, we've, my wife early on in our marriage uh, attended Financial Peace University. And listen, I'm going to tell you, it works when you begin to put it out there. And I'll, also, I'll say that and honor God with your tithes and offering. 
Me and Denise, we have a house payment. We don't have a car payment. We don't have a motorcycle payment. We've got a house payment, and that is it. And I'll tell you, it works when you begin to put money. And it, it will cost you. It's going to $90 up front fee. Why? Because I find when you give people things free, they don't take it as seriously as when they've got something invested in it. And, and what that $90 does, it gives you your workbook. It gives you a year uh, membership into the Dave Ramsey online courses. Uh, and, and we're going to be kicking that off. The way we're going to do it, we're trying to make it easy for you where it will be Sundays immediately following service, bring you something to eat, and then we'll meet back there in the fellowship hall and do the class. So we're trying. let us know if you want to be part of that because we've or- already ordered some books, but if we need to order more, we will. Uh, August 14th. Finally, if you have been missing our Wednesday night connection, I'm telling you, you're missing it. I love Sundays. I love gathering with, with my, my people here. But Wednesday nights are a just a more intimate setting. This past Wednesday, if you missed it, Barbara Harris gave her testimony. And it was stinking powerful. And followed up with that testimony, man, we'll begin to pray for people about some inner healing needs and some things. And God moved. And I'm telling you, that is normal Wednesday nights of when we sit together, we sit in circles, we hear a teaching, we discuss that teaching, we ask questions. Get here on Wednesday nights, 7 p.m., because it is incredible. Uh, are y'all ready for today? Yes. Boy, this is going to be a long message, because if y'all make me work for it, we're going to be here a while. Hey, uh... This, this little boy, one day this little boy was leaving church. As he was leaving church, he went and slipped a dollar bill in the pastor's hand. And the pastor said, well, well thank you, son, but what, did, what is this about? He said, well, I just felt bad for you, pastor, and I wanted to help you out. He said, what, what do you mean you felt bad for me? He said, well, last week on the way home from church, my dad said, that has got to be the poorest preacher I've ever heard. Y'all, man, y'all a rough crowd. <laughs> hey, we've been in this series, Shut Your Mouth, uh, talking about the power of words. The words that come about, they are, they are powerful. They either they have the potential to bring either life or death. Uh, and this is week four. Let me give you some interesting facts about the human tongue, or, or about the tongue, not the human tongue, about the tongue. But he was right. The blue whale, it has the largest tongue. It's the size of an elephant weighing at 5,400 pounds. Uh, have you ever heard the saying, cat got your tongue? You ever heard that? Come on, talk to me. When you talk to me, I preach faster. Uh, cat got your tongue. You know where that came from? Well, in early about 25 years ago in ancient Assyria, when they conquered soldiers or criminals, they would cut their tongues out and feed them to cats. Cat got your tongue? Uh, the tongue is one of the strongest muscles in the body. The tongue heals faster than any other part of the body. Get this. Some of y'all know this to be true. Your tongue never stops working. Even when you sleep, it's pushing saliva into your throat. Here's another one. The chameleon's tongue is twice the length of its own body. And finally, the tongue never gets tired. Uh, if you've ever rode somewhere with my son Zion, you will know that to be true. If you ever sit with my grandson Sonny, you'll find that's true. From the moment he wakes up, he is talking. And you may not understand what he's saying, but he does not care. He's going to talk to you. 
Hey, we've been in the book of James. Uh, if you got a Bible, or uh, we're going uh, or you, we'll pull it up. But we're going to be in James chapter three today. Uh, but pretty much James, when you study the book of James, it is about spiritual maturity. And, and James, written by the half-brother of Jesus, James, if he's got something to say about our spiritual maturity, I'd say he's a good source for us to get our information when it comes to spiritual maturity. Because when you open up James 1, he's talking about temptation. He's talking about trials. He gives one of our favorite scriptures out there that, that says, hey, consider it pure joy when you face trials. I was kidding. That's, that's one of my least favorite scriptures. Like, why would I consider it joy? Well, he goes on to tell you why. But then he goes on to say this. Hey, don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. Man, I could preach right there. Don't just listen. Do what it says. Well, then in chapter 2, he talks about don't show favoritism. Just don't, don't show somebody favoritism just because they can do something for you that somebody else can't. And he, he, he talks about that. He, he talks about proving uh, your faith by your deeds. He said, you prove your faith by the words you say. He said, you want me to show you my faith? I'm going I'm to show it to you by what I do and how I act. So it's pretty much talking about spiritual maturity. And then we get to James 3, and he's continuing his talk about spiritual maturity. But then he's talking about the tongue. The human tongue. And James starts this chapter out in, I think it's kind of an odd way. But we'll, we'll look at it. Uh, verse 1, James 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, James is not saying, hey, uh, uh, don't become teachers. Because how many know we need good teachers? In the church and in the school, we need good teachers. And what many Bible scholars believe that James is addressing here is there's a lot of people just popping up claiming to be teachers of the Word. And they're teaching things that they have no idea what they're teaching. And he's saying, guys, you need to understand, if you call yourself a teacher, more is going to be expected out of you. Do not treat it lightly. You've got a responsibility. And he's not saying that you, he's not saying you got to be perfect because he addresses that in the next verse. Look at it. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Well, he says, hey, nobody's perfect. We all stumble. We all get it wrong at times. But he talks, he kicks this off talking about teachers. Can you bring that scripture up, verse 1, for me again? Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, let me, how many had a favorite teacher growing up in school? You had a favorite teacher, or you've got a favorite teacher right now. Uh, not nobody, man. Nobody liked their favorite teacher. Okay, some of you. I had a favorite teacher, my fifth grade teacher, Miss Gaynor. Now, I'll tell you, one of the reasons why she was my favorite teacher, because at as a fifth grader, she was very easy on the eyes. You know, Van Halen hot for teacher. Just picture that. But that was, but she was very, but she also believed in me. When other teachers were saying, man, Kelly, just give up on him. He's a, she always believed. She was my favorite teacher. I remember her. I don't think I remember any other teachers uh, growing up. I remember her. Because of the, how much she poured, how much she taught me. But let me ask you a question. Who did I learn more from? 
Miss Gaynor or my mom and dad? Who did I learn more from, Miss Gaynor or my mama and papa Fuller or my uh, mama, granny and papa Goins? Let me take it a step further. Who did I learn more from, Miss Gaynor or the friends I hung out with every day? See, here's what we need to realize. Whether you bear the name teacher in front of your name, we are all teachers. We're teaching. People are learning something from us. They're watching our lives. They're paying attention to the words that are come out of your mouth. And James is saying, hey, listen, whether you bear the title preacher or teacher or not, you need to understand you're going to be held accountable for what you taught them, whether you even realized you were teaching them or not. He said, be careful, be careful. And, and, and here's the thing. When those lessons that we're teaching speak death and not life, he said, you got a stricter judgment coming. Here's a good question to ask yourself. Does your tongue or the words that come out of your mouth, do they lead people to Jesus or do they make people wonder if you even have a relationship with Jesus? Here's a better one. Do the words coming out of your mouth make people uh, believe in Jesus or do they make, make them say, Christian, uh, no thank you? Because they're like, if that's the way Jesus is, uh, I don't think I want him. And, and I gave you some interesting facts at the top of this about the tongue. But James is about to give us some facts about the human tongue. Verse 3 of James 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. If you're taking notes, here's the first amazing facts uh, about the tongue that James gives us. The tongue is disproportionately powerful disproportionate what that means is something too large or too small in relation to something else james says the tongue is disproportionately powerful because it's small when you compare it to the rest of the body but man it wields a lot of power Amen. and here's what he he he, he uh kind of gives us a picture of this pull that up for me there Bri brianna he says a bit he said, this small three-pound bit that's in this horse's mouth, it can make this 1,500 horse go where it wants. And that's what the it, it directs us that he's trying to prove a point. It gives it. Do, do you know what an untamed horse is good for? Pretty much nothing. You can look at it, but pretty much nothing. Can't work it, can't ride it, can't lead it. You know what else about a, a, an untamed horse? They're dangerous. Try jumping on one's back. Just tell me how that works out for you when you wake up. They're dangerous. And, and the average weight of a tongue, get this, is less than three ounces. Yet the Bible says this three-ounce piece of flesh is extremely powerful and able to lead a huge beast around. It, let's take it deeper, uh, what James said. The words we speak direct our lives just like that bit directs that horse the tongue the words if we don't learn to surrender that right here to holy spirit it will end up directing our lives how many have found yourself um in a situation where if you had just kept your mouth shut it would never have gotten as bad as what it did 
You know, I felt like I need to get up here and tell you that, hey, Wayne is a member of the church. He's not here for anybody so that y'all would just lighten up a little bit. Um, he came in uniform. But yes. But I don't know about you. But the one time I was arrested, I let my mouth take it to a place that it should never have gotten to. Are you with me? It directed my life. It directed my life behind bars. And that's what the tongue can do. That's how powerful it is. He also makes this uh, 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 illustration with this. Bring up that rudder to ship. See, now I did a lot, I spent a lot of time on this. So I need y'all to notice the yellow outline with a little red arrow. That's the, uh, uh, the, uh, the whatever it is, the rudder. I don't even know what it is. It's the rudder. It makes that huge ship go where it, I mean, that ship is massive, yet it makes it go wherever it wants. Now, let me ask you, why is a, good, a rudder a good thing on a ship? Why do you need a good rudder on a ship? Steer. See, when you're in high waves, a high storm, what that rudder allows you to do is turn that boat into the waves to keep you from capsizing, to keep you from turning over. And how many know we need a good rudder in our life because we're going to hit storms. We're going to hit some harsh winds. We're going to encounter some things. And if we don't have this right here under control, it will rudder our lives into deeper storms. Are you with me? Paul tells us, hey, here's why you need a good rudder in your life, Ephesians 4.14. He said, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. If you ever needed a good rudder in life, it is right now in this culture we're living in. Because there is deceiving and there is scheming teaching going on in our world. We're going to talk about some of that this fall with our series, Hot Topics. Uh, we're going to be talking about stuff church likes to avoid. But we're, we believe that for too long the church has been trying to answer questions that nobody's asking. So we're going to look at some of the questions that people are asking they just don't want to talk about. And yes, some of those, I'll go ahead and tell you, will be PG-13. So you will not be able to blame me for the explanations you have to give your kids when you leave here. Because I warned you. But, we're going, but how, how many think it's time the church started talking about real subjects, real things, you know? And, but let's get back on it. And here's the thing. It's not just the words that come out of your mouth that will direct your life. It's the words that come out of somebody else's mouth. If you allow them to get inside you, they will direct your life. Some of you know that because when you were younger, words spoken out came out and went inside of you. And now where you're at today, you still remember those words. And they've directed your life. Uh, let, let's go back to James. See what other amazing facts. Uh, James 3 verse 5. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Talked about this a couple of weeks ago about how the, uh, the, the fire that happened, I think it was, was it 2016, 2016 up in Gatlinburg. You know, it burned thousands and thousands of acres, destroyed houses, killed people, and it was caused by two teenagers throwing a match out. That's a tiny spark. But I want to look at this, that verse differently. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. A tiny spark 
can set a great forest on fire. On August 6th, 1945, at approximately 8.15 a.m., the sky was lit up by a USB-29 bomber dropping an atomic bomb on the Japanese city of Hiroshima, instantly killing right at 80,000 people. Co-pilot Robert Lewis said, he said, when I looked down and saw it, I said, what have we done? Three days later, the sky was lit up again with an explosion. This time, uh, dropped it on Nagasaki, instantly killing around 40,000 people. The effect of these bombs were catastrophic. Yeah, it caused the Japanese to surrender, but no one, not even the Americans that dropped it, were fully prepared to see the devastation that it left this place in. Buildings, the ground, 120,000 people dead. Atomic bomb. Now let's look at another date in history. December 20th, 1951 in Arco, Idaho. The sky was lit up. Not nearly as bright as that day in Japan, but it was lit up. This time, though, it was lit up by light bulbs powered by the first electricity produced from nuclear energy. Today, one out of five Americans' electricity comes from nuclear power plants. It powers our homes, our schools, our businesses, hospitals. It powers this church. Here's what I'm getting at. The uranium that was used in the, in, in the nuclear atomic bomb that destroyed everything in its wake is the same uranium used to provide light and electricity for people. The same science used in the reactor and the bomb, the same atoms, the same electrons, the reactions of physics are used in both. Here lies the difference. Used in the wrong way, it left devastation. Used in the right way, it brought light to people. And he said, that's what your tongue. Used in the wrong way, it brings devastation. But used in the right way, it can light someone's life up and bring hope. Man, I hope you're getting it. I've heard people say, man, PK, I've enjoyed this series, but it has been a tough one. I'm like, I know. It's been tough on me too. And you may say, well, PK, I only made one comment. I only made one, put one little thing on the post. Well, James said it only takes a spark. It only takes one little comment. The tongue has the capabilities of either bringing light into a dark place or bringing destruction. The second fact James gives us about the tongue is this. The tongue by nature is evil. Some good news today. <laughs> so, Look what James says though in verse 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. What's he talking about? What's he talking about, church? The tongue corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What's he saying? He's saying this. The default setting of the tongue is evil. It's evil. How many parents we have of two-year-olds or older? How many of you had to teach that toddler to be mean, to say mean things? Here's what you say. You call them a jerk. You call them, you, nobody. 
What do we have to teach them? We have to say, hey, be nice. Can you, can you be nice to your brother and sister? Can you, can you be nice? We have to say, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, please, thank you. Why? Because the very nature of our tongue is evil. You don't believe me? Go to a playground when school kicks off. Go to a lunchroom. And hear the mean and nasty stuff that comes out of people's mouth. Or or parents, go on your social media uh, page and see some of the mean and nasty stuff that's come out of your fingers. Just because you type it instead of say it doesn't make it any better. Oh, that's good, Pastor Kelly. I like that. Thank you. The default setting of our tongue is evil. How many of the first, when, when somebody says something that cuts you, your default setting is to cut them back? Me, I'm the only one? Okay, there's three or four of us. I, I told you all this story a couple of weeks ago about Denise and I had been gone for a while, and we were back at some either an anniversary or something for the church, and there was this lady that felt like she could just say anything, and she comes up to me and says, Well, Kelly, good to see you. Looks like you put on some weight. My immediate reaction was, Oh, thank you. No, my immediate reaction was, well, I'm just trying to keep up with you. (laughs) Why? Because that is the default setting of our tongue. It is evil. It reverts back to that. Let's go, let's, let's hurry this up. Third amazing fact about the tongue. The tongue is humanly untamable. You might want to underline humanly because that's the key word. It, it, It is impossible for the for the tongue, human tongue to be tamed by humans or even yourself. Because if you could do it yourself, you would have done it a long time ago. Look at James 3, uh, 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Why? It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James says, listen, no matter how big, how small the animal is, they've all been able to be tamed. But the human tongue, you can't do it. I I know y'all just got back from SeaWorld, right? Did y'all see any big animals that had been tamed? Whales. Derek, she saw you. You were tamed. (laughs) Denise and I, a few years ago, we got to go to Thailand. And one of the places we got to visit was this elephant sanctuary. And these are, if you've ever been up a sun, they are massive. And we got to ride on them. We got to go through, on, on, throughout this whole thing on them. They even taught these elephants how to paint. No lie. We sit there, watch them take their trunk, and then sign their little name. We bought one of those paintings because we're a sucker for stuff like that. <laughs> it was amazing. And James said, listen, you can tame the biggest things out there, but the tongue, this little three-ounce thing, you, it cannot be humanly tamed. It is impossible. Now, let me say this. That doesn't mean the tongue can't be tamed. It's just humanly impossible. What it takes is us to recognize it and begin to surrender this thing right here to Holy Spirit on a daily, hourly basis and say, God, it's yours. It's yours. I give it to you. Uh, There's a passage of scripture in Exodus where Moses is arguing with God. Anybody ever argue with God? Anybody ever won? No. Let me say, let me tell you, no, you've never won. Uh, If you thought you won, uh, you're in denial. Uh, 
But there, he's arguing with God about why he can't do what God's telling him to do. And check it out, Exodus 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. Servant, I am slow of speech. Hey, Lord, I had this speech problem, this problem with my mouth before I met you, and I've still got it. In other words, just because you got saved doesn't mean everything about you changed. I wish it did. I wish the moment I got saved, I quit thinking things I shouldn't think about. I quit saying things I shouldn't say. I quit doing. I wish the moment. Now, some of y'all, maybe that's your story. Praise God. But for the 99.9% rest of us, it has been a process that we're working through. And it takes us surrendering it to Holy Spirit every day. Can I get an amen? Look, look though at God's response back to Moses, verse 11 and 12. The Lord said to him, hey, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God's like, did you forget who made you? If I made it, I can control it. He said, if I, I, I made your mouth, I can control it. Well, well, I, I, I've heard this on more than one occasion. Well, PK, it's just the way I am. Just the way I, I've always been. Just, I just say whatever. Who knows what's going to come out of mouth? I just say what's... Listen, I get that, but that does not mean you're right. Are you hearing me? And your refusal to see that as a problem keeps God from doing something in you and that just coming out and saying whatever you want to will eventually direct your life to places you don't want it to go. Amen. I'm going to preach that. That was so good, Pastor Kelly. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, I'll, I'll preach to myself. God looks at Moses and said, I, I made your mouth. And if I made it, I could teach you what to say and how to say it. Look what he says in verse 12. I'll be your mouth. I'll, I'll be with your mouth and I'll teach you what to say. Go. Quit worrying about it. I'll teach you. I made it and I can control it. Man, that's a prayer we need to begin to pray every day. God, help me surrender my mouth to you every day. Teach me what to say and how to say it. Because how many know you may speak truth, but if it's spoken in a wrong tone or attitude, nobody's going to hear it or receive it. Well, I'll start to say something. See, that's the filter, Holy Spirit. He'll put it on you. He says, now go. It is humanly impossible to tame the tongue. But if, guys, if we will begin to submit to Holy Spirit, it is possible. The fourth and final thing. The tongue is equivocating. Equivocating. Somebody say, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know what this word meant either. I was, I was looking. I was like, man, what is the word I want? And so I Googled talking out of both sides of your mouth, synonym. And this is what pulled up. Equivocating is when you talk out of both. Here's the actual definition. When you give your voice to two opposing views in order to mislead or keep your options open. Who's, who, who, which side am I better going with here? Another definition said this, to be deliberately ambiguous and clear. So yes, the tongue can literally talk out of both sides of the mouth. And here's what James says in verse 9. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. 
So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James says sometimes it's praising God, singing worship songs, and the next moment it's flipping somebody off when you leave here because they poured out in front of you. He says both. He says it's doing both. And he goes on, verse 11. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. James says out of the same mouth you curse someone and then you bless someone. And he goes through and gives all these examples about you can't get fresh water out of a salty well. And he said a fig tree can't produce olives. A grapevine can't produce figs. And he's saying, church, what, what, what I'm seeing happen, James said, it's unnatural. It's unnatural. Because naturally, what, what, the natural thing for a fresh water spring to produce is what? Fresh water. The natural thing for a grapevine to produce is what? And James is like, what I'm seeing y'all do, it's not natural. I'm seeing you talk out of both sides of your mouth. You sing blessing. One moment you're singing praise, the next minute you're cursing this person over here. You can speak blessing. What we need to understand is people are listening and watching our every moves. We are teaching people what a Christian looks like or what one doesn't look like. I've heard people that call themselves Christians say things like, I don't have to prove my faith to anybody. Well, James would disagree with you. Look what he says in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. James says this, hey, you want to prove you're a Christian? Prove it by the way you live and the words that come out of your mouth. We've talked about this throughout this entire series. We have a choice of what words we allow to come out of our mouth. I'm telling you this, and I'm going off script, and my wife will tell you, I used to think, man, when we first married, I didn't have a choice. It was just the way I was. I would get angry. I'd just say it. And it was this temper. It was that. And me and my wife, well, she sat me down and had a long talk with me. And I began to say, God, I surrender my tongue to you, my attitudes to you. And it has taken me a long time. And I'll tell you this, I still don't get it right every day. There are days I get it right and I walk away from that, yes. And then there are days I walk away going, man, Kelly, you know what you got to do. Go back and apologize. Still working on me. Proverbs 8, 20, 18, 21. The tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So you have a choice of what you will speak today tonight, tomorrow you have a choice you can choose to speak life or you can 
choose to speak death. You can speak life into your home, into your marriage, into your kids, or you can speak death into those things. You can speak life into your job. You, you can speak life into your government, or you can speak death, continue to speak death. And when you look back and say, why haven't things changed? Well, it's because you kept cursing the very things you were trying to change. But you did it with your mouth. We've got a choice. And I told you from the get-go of this series, I'm preaching to myself. My wife can testify to this. My kids can testify to this. Those that have known me for a long can testify to this. I've still got a long way to go. It is a process. A process of surrendering to Holy Spirit. And I don't want... I don't want anything I say to bring separation between me and God. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit with my words, my words that come out of my mouth. I I want to submit this thing right here to God on a daily, hour, minute-by-minute basis if need be. Because I want this thing right here to speak life, to speak hope, to speak peace, to speak freedom into people, not destruction and death. Stand with me across this room. Because I want to be an extension of God's mouthpiece to this community. Are you hearing me? I want to be an extension. I want to be the voice of Jesus to someone that's hurting. I want to be the voice that can speak hope into someone that feels hopeless. I want to speak, uh, I want to speak life into someone that's considering suicide and thinking there's no other options. I want to be able to speak life into that. I want to be be able to speak peace into a situation where somebody's got anxiety. I I want when I walk into the room, I don't want to be the, I, I want to be the thermostat. I want to set the temperature by the words that I'm saying. Not just become whatever it's already set at. So how many would say this? I'm not, Kelly, you're going to ask us to bow our heads? No, because if, let's be real. Let's be real. Let's get it out there. If you say, you know what, Pastor? I've still got a lot of work to do with this thing right here. It gets me into a lot of trouble. And I want to begin to surrender it daily, hourly, minute by minute if I need to. I want to begin to surrender and submit it to Holy Spirit and allow Holy Spirit to filter things that come out of my mouth. If that's you, raise your hand. Keep them up. Father, you see every hand in this house raised. God, we're just being real. We're not perfect. And you know the mouth that you gave us. You know the attitude that we've got. And God, you say you told Moses, if I created it, I can control it. But the only way you can control it is if we surrender to you. So right now we surrender. Go ahead and tell him. Tell him in your own words. I surrender this mouth to you, God. I surrender my attitude to you. I surrender the way I respond to people to you. I respect, I give this tongue, God. It is yours, Father. Holy Spirit, begin to filter the way I act, the way I react, the words that come out of my mouth. Begin to filter those things. Come on, you pray it. You pray it. You pray it. I can sit up here and pray, but he needs to hear you surrender it to him. We surrender to you, God. We surrender. We give it to you. God, I want to speak life into people. 
I want to speak life into my marriage, life into my kids, life into relationships, life into, into where I work, into my neighborhoods. I want to speak life, life. I want to speak hope. I want to speak peace. I want to speak freedom. God, I give this mouth to you and I surrender to you. In Jesus' big name. And the church said, Amen.